a message for liberals and the mainstream media. You can't handle the truth! So, buckle up, snowflakes, because we're about to deliver the politically direct best in conservative commentary, news, and investigative reports. We're telling the truth, and we're not gonna stop. Okay, liberals, back under the bridge with the rest of your fellow trolls, and oh yeah, Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots. They are special, special people on RSPRadio1.com. Welcome to Right Side Patriots on RSPRadio1.com. Craig Andreessen at the National Patriot, Diane Sori at the Patriot Factor. It's Tuesday night, the 14th of November. Welcome to it. Hello, Diane. Hello, Craig. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm I'm all excited because we might have a Starship launch this Friday. Yep. And uh, I hope it goes well. I do, too. They're still waiting for final confirmation from uh, U.S. Fish and Wildlife. Yeah. And a lot of people don't know this, but when they did the first launch, the one that you know, flew for a few minutes and then they had to destroy it Mm -hmm. before they got us fish and wildlife to allow them to do that. This sounds ridiculous. Well, basically because it is, they had to provide fish and wildlife with a prediction on the, what percentage chance was there that the starship launch might injure a shark yeah (laughs) Yeah, well it's the noise it's the reverberation the sound waves yeah i mean you can understand all that but uh, to me being space geek anything that has to be done to get us into space exploration is fine with me exactly so we're going to watch that we're going to Mm-hmm. Kind of keep an eye on that. And if there is a launch, obviously we will be talking about it on Friday. Oh, of course. So, you know, buckle up, folks. Uh, Diane, you're covering tonight Survival's Driving Force. Mm-hmm. I'm covering the cancer on college campuses. Okay. So those are the two big segments coming up. But before we get to any of that, uh, we've got a little bit of house cleaning that we need to do. We're getting ready to take some time off for Thanksgiving. Yes, I'm having for 10 days, uh, maybe even a little more, full house full of people. So I'm not going to have any time to write articles or, you know, get the site and this and that. And um, to be honest with our listeners, after looking at all the videos, I've had a look at look at all the photos sent to me by contacts in Israel. I need a break. 
the stuff yeah. I have seen that has it's, been censored on my blog, my blog spot. It won't let people see it without this dire warning. It you really got to step back from it for a little while because it's all encompassing. Well, and it's one of those things. Once you see it, you will never get it out of your mind, ever. No, you can't get it out of your mind, and, and that's very critical. And the media is doing a misservice to everyone by not showing these photographs, by not showing these videos, by not listening to the eyewitness testimony. The truth is not getting out there. And it needs to get out there. It does. Okay, so we'll we'll yeah you know, we'll be gone next week, and then we'll be back. You know, um, but December first. December first. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, mark your calendars. All right, so let's get into the quick hitters tonight. Uh, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu did uh, a really good interview uh, last night with Tucker, or not with Tucker, but with uh, Sean Hannity. And in that interview, he issued pretty much a warning to the United States. But I would say, Diane, that that warning doesn't only cover the United States. It covers basically the civilized world. Well, basically what he said, and this is a quote, we have to win to protect Israel. We have to win to safeguard the Middle East. We have to win for the sake of the civilized world. That's the battle we're fighting, and it's being waged right now. There is no substitute for that victory. If we don't win now, then Europe is next, and you, meaning America, is after that, and we have to win. He's 100 percent correct because israel is the only stand thing standing between us the civilized world and the savage barbarians israel goes down folks we're in big trouble you know how i knew he was right when he said those things last night i knew he was right because it's what you and i have been saying for a long time yeah yeah (laughs) for years years you know know. and i mean he even used some of the language that you and i have used in recent uh articles um you know which uh you know uh, tells me that you and i are pretty much spot on when it comes to the gravity of the situation over there you know Mm -hmm. he he called them barbarians he called uh, you know, he, he talked about the civilized world and civilization. He used a lot of the words and the phrasing that you and I have used for, you know, well, in, in these articles since uh, the attack on October 11th or 7th. So Not only that, it goes further back. Oh, yeah. I've been calling these people pieces of human garbage. I've been calling them scum. I've been calling them savages and barbarians for years. This isn't anything new. Israel has been fighting off and on since its formation. Remember the 67 war, the Yom Kippur war, the little skirmishes here and there. I mean, it has not stopped. The only thing that has now been added to the mix is the horrific rise in anti-semitism worldwide yeah and that's you know that's uh more than just problematic it's downright repugnant 
Yes. Uh, you know, if you ask me. But Netanyahu last night made a lot of good points, and um, it, it was it was interesting to me to hear him speak so bluntly and so passionately about why Israel has to do what it has to do. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and it, it makes all the sense in the world. Uh, you know, but I, I got to tell you, I, you know, as I was watching that interview, I thought that the guy looks tired. He, he looks like he's been through the ringer. And who wouldn't look that way? If you were in a position that he is in, you've got a very small country geographically. Okay? Right. And you're surrounded by barbarians. And right. they all want a piece of you, you know. And, uh, you know, he's literally engaged in a war for the survival, not only geographically of Israel, but of the Israeli people, the Jewish people. Um, it's a lot to put on one man's shoulders. Well, it's not just the Jewish people. He wants Western civilization itself to survive. You know, you have to remember also something that he said, that these these savages, they want to bring the Middle East and the world back to the Dark Ages, and that Israel, the modern Arab states, and of course us, we want to see peace and prosperity in the Middle East for everybody. But the problem is that when you have groups funded by Iran, the world's leading sponsor of terrorism, they don't want peace. They want the Levant. They want Israel gone. They want the Levant. And they're not going to get it. As long as Israel is there, they're not going to get it. As long as we stand strong with Israel, they're not going to get it. Basically, what Bibi's speech was, in a nutshell, never again. What happened in the 34 and 40s in Germany will not happen again. And he has the military strength to make sure of that. Not only that, but but the people of Israel have the resolve. And and that's a that's a key factor in all of this. They've got the resolve to do do what needs to be done and see it through to complete victory. And, exactly. and, and that's a key. And you know, I I just Every time I listen to him speak, whether it's an interview or a speech that he gives, I am struck by one overwhelming truth. He is the world's last great statesman. I was just thinking that. We've been saying that for years. He has a way of putting things that people listen and you don't find that in our leaders today, that's for sure. Boy, in that a um, case. <laughs> I, he is focused. He reminds me a lot of Winston Churchill in a way. Yeah. yeah. Very focused, very stoic. He knows right from wrong. He knows what has to be done and will do it if forced. And that's something that... All the other world leaders, they're so afraid. They're afraid of their own shadows at this point. They all cower to Iran and Russia and China, but not Netanyahu and not Israel. They are very, very strong people, 
and I touch upon that in my article today. But he is the world's last great statesman, and if anyone is going to win this war, it's Netanyahu. But the one thing I have to reiterate again, for all of you clueless wonders out there who think this is Bibi's fault, it is not. It is the Bennett Lapid government. When Bibi wasn't in power, when you have a country that's has their life every day in danger. You need a wartime president. You don't need a kumbaya, let's, you know, all get along sort. That's what they had for two years. And in these two years is when all their plans were consolidated. Right. So don't blame Bibi. In fact, really don't blame anyone except the people who did this, Hamas and Iran. That's it. I mean, that is the bottom line right there. All right. So, uh, Mayorkas, uh, uh, they've been, you know, running him through uh, the grinder uh, up on Capitol Hill again and again and again. Well, there was a motion made to impeach Mayorkas over the disaster at the border and Mayorkas's constant lying about the border. And. Right. That motion to uh, bring impeachment charges failed. And it failed because of eight Republicans. But the one who shocks me the most, and I have a theory about it, but it shocks me the most, Daryl Issa. Not only did he vote against the censure of Rashida Tlaib, but now he's voted against Mayorkas, who he knows damn well is one of those to blame for the mess at the border. I don't understand how any Republican could vote against this. You know, I I understand what you're saying. I'm, I might have a little bit different take on it. It's not that Mayorkas doesn't deserve to be impeached. He does. I mean, the, the southern border is a disaster area. Okay, when when over the period of a couple of years, two and a half years, you let eight million illegals into this country, right? And you can't vet any of them, and now you don't have any idea where they are in this right. country. Okay, I I get it. You know, it, you know, he should be impeached. The problem is, and and this is kind of what I think maybe Daryl Lyson and some of these other Republicans were looking at. Okay, so let's say you impeach Mayorkas. Somebody's going to take over that job, and they're going to. They're, and nothing's going to change. Doesn't because, matter. You know, Obama doesn't want it to change. Biden doesn't want it to change. You know, the the Democrats in Congress don't want it to change. So you impeach this guy. You put somebody else in charge of it. Nothing happens. Nothing changes. All you've done is rearrange the deck chairs on the Titanic. And on that, I totally disagree. Sometimes you have to take a strong stand. Even though it might not accomplish everything you want, you need to have the courage and fortitude to take a stand. Those eight Republicans that voted against it and those 12 who did not vote, per se, on the measure, they voted either present or they didn't show up, they need to be ashamed of themselves. They are cowards. Here you had something that at least showed the country, showed the party, even though we might fail, 
we're taking a stand and doing the right thing. Every one of those failed. But Daryl Issa really gets under my craw. And I've seen a change in Daryl Issa since he hooked up with Trump on Truth Social, which, by the way, is $75 million in the red. And also, in my opinion, it should not be called Truth Social, only Trump Social. Yeah, I, I can understand. I'm not even on it. I mean, I, I'm on it. You know, I I I keep hearing about it, and everything. it doesn't even intrigue me to be on it. Um, it it's it's it, it's Trump. It's Trump twenty four seven. I just monitor. I don't post on it because it's not worth it. Well, it's it's part of the revenge uh, campaign, really. Right. I mean, you know, when you get right down to it, because he got thrown off Twitter. Uh, right. So as revenge, he started his own thing, and you know, uh, there you go. So you know, it's all part of that. This Mayorka deal, you know, I I keep wondering. Okay, so you keep hauling him in to one hearing after another. You keep asking him the same questions. Is the border secure? He says yes. You know, it's not. <laughs> I mean, obviously, it's not. You know, you ask him, is is the border out of control? No. It is out of control. We all know yes. that. You know, so we know the guy is lying through his teeth. Of um, course. He has no intention of controlling the border. He has nothing at the border under control, and that's because Obama doesn't want anything at the border under control. Of course. <clears throat> well, know, that's uh, what people haven't accepted as fact. Biden is not running the show, folks. Obama is. These are Obama's orders, and Biden has to follow them. Well, I don't know that Biden even knows that he's following orders anymore. I, you know, be perfectly honest, he is so lost most of the time. I mean, for God's sakes, he goes and puts a wreath at the tomb of the unknown soldier, and then he doesn't know what to do after he he does that. Right. Stumbles right. around, tw- you know, spins around in circles. He doesn't know where to go. Somebody has to usher him away. I mean, yes. I don't know that he even knows he's following orders, you know, but people, you know, I know there's people out there listening right now and, you know, they're saying, well, you know, they keep talking about Obama, Biden's the president. No, Biden's the puppet. Right. And, you know, who's also controlling him is his absolutely power hungry disgrace of a wife who was Ugh. guilty of, of um, I was going to say child abuse, elderly <laughs> abuse. Yeah. Okay, if she would tell him enough, Joe, it would be over. But she so craves the prestige of First Lady. She's one of the worst First Ladies ever. I haven't heard one good thing she's done. No. I mean, uh, other than, you know, probably dressing joe every morning i don't know what else she does she needs to learn to dress herself too because compared to millennia this woman is a clown well i mean she's slightly better than the moo in that regard but not much slightly slightly much you know um at, at least we don't think dr jill is wearing a jock no. So, no. 
you know, maybe she's got that going for her. But this border situation is way out of control. Mayorkas isn't going to do anything about it because Obama doesn't want anything done about it. You know, right. and then we've got the border czar, Kamala Harris. You know, she certainly got to the root cause of it, didn't she? Oh, yes, she did, but because she never went to the actual border. The closest she got to making a run for the border is going to Taco Bell. Yeah, seven or eight miles away. Yeah, Kamala, you're really, really good at your job. Yeah, well, thank, thankfully, she's kind of given up on that. Now she's in charge of AI. Oh, God. Artificial intelligence. She doesn't even have human intelligence, let alone artificial intelligence. Yeah, what could go wrong, right? Yeah. So yeah. The Mayorkas, world needs to go away. And she needs to go far, far away and stay there. Mayorkas has been given the green light to continue to lie to the American people and to Congress. That's, that's what right. this non-vote um, actually accomplished disgraceful um joe biden uh speaking of him is considering handing over another sit down folks 10 billion dollars to iran okay but first we got to clarify that it's not new, 10 new billion dollars these are 10 billion dollars of the assets that are frozen however there's a little problem there joe the assets were frozen for a reason because Iran is an enemy combatant. You just don't freeze assets because you feel like it. So if you're going to unfreeze assets, you're actually aiding and abetting the enemy, which is treason. Yeah, I mean, you know, not that anything's going to happen just because you're making common sense, you know, out of the situation. Uh, and again, sure. you know, it, it's not Joe that wants to hand over $10 billion. It's Barack Hussein Obama that wants to hand over $10 billion to the Iranians. I don't care if it's frozen money. I don't care if it's new money. Any money you give them goes directly to terrorism. And at this point, if you right. give Iran $10 billion, they're going to use it to give to Hamas and Hezbollah and and you know, those proxies so they can continue the fight against Israel. And this, obviously Obama knows this. I'm yeah. not sure Joe Biden knows what day it is. So, Well, Hamas is, I'd say, with what Bibi has done so far, I'd say there's a good 80 to 85% of Hamas gone right now. The main group is hiding under that hospital in Gaza using supposedly hostages, if there's any of them alive, and um, their own people as human shields. But basically, the situation there now is getting worse because Israel was going to allow delivery of fuel to the hospital to keep the medical equipment going. And Hamas turned it down, folks, said they don't want Israel getting credit for anything. In other words, they are willing to let their people die instead of accepting fuel from Israel. That shows you 
they don't even care about the people they're supposed to represent who put them in power. Well, and there again, this is what you and I have been saying for years about Hamas and the, and the Iranian proxies, whether it's Hezbollah, uh, you know, whether it's uh, the Houthis, it doesn't really matter. Right. Um, you know, they're all one and the same. Uh, they, they've all basically become ISIS, which is an arm of Iran. So, right. you know, and, and so let's just kind of meld this into the last uh, topic that we have because it kind of goes all in one. Um, Israel has now shown the world proof positive that tunnels from outside of one of the hospitals in Gaza City go directly under the hospital. It's a right. children's hospital, by the way. Yes. And uh, Hamas has got weapons stored there. They've got rockets in there. They've got rocket launchers. And underneath, underneath all of this, in, the, in this tunnel system, they've got Hamas headquarters underneath a children's hospital. Right. And the, the weapons under there are all pointed at Israel. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... You know, so this this is standard operating procedure for Iran, for Hamas. You know, this is what they do. They're using their own people as human shields. That's a war crime, by the way. Right. Uh, but nobody nobody is talking about that being a war crime. The UN isn't bringing it up. No. No. Well, I actually have two things that I put up today. Very short sweet things, basically saying what needs to be done right now. First of all, well, it's actually three things. First, in war, to the victor goes the spoils. That's the nature of war. Hence, Israel can do whatever it wants with Gaza when it wins this war. The reason I put that up is the world is crying, the Palestinians, you can't occupy Gaza. Israel has not been in Gaza since 2005, folks. Obama needs to learn this lesson, too. If you want to blame anyone for the hellhole that's Gaza, blame it on Hamas and their own people. The other thing was, in my opinion... Anyone caught taking down an American flag to replace it with a Palestinian flag should be immediately arrested. That had to do with yesterday's storming of, I believe it was Penn Station in New York. And one thing that's, well, really two things that are kind of important. The UN has recently sanctioned, um, censured, I should say, Israel, but not Hamas. Hamas is the one that needs to be charged with war crimes, not Israel at all. And the last thing, you know, these outlets like Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, and the regular mainstream media, every time they show a pro-Palestinian, pro-Hamas protest, they're actually giving them a voice, what they really need to do is ignore them and give them no airtime whatsoever. Right. Now, on the flip side of that coin, there was a huge pro-Israel 
rally in Washington, D.C. that was held today. And what was it, Diane? Somewhere in the neighborhood of 300,000 people showed up for that. Yeah, a, a tremendous amount. And what was nice about it, not just the support for Israel, of course, but this was truly a bipartisan get-together. We had leaders from both parties speaking about how we must support Israel, how we need to stop the anti-Semitism, even though I can see certain ones, Hakeem Jeffries with his fingers crossed behind his back. Um, Our side, all the speakers were great. Um, And even Chuck Schumer, as much as he's, you know, useless He is a staunch supporter of Israel, and it was nice to see the Republicans and the Democrats working together on at least something. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's unusual, but it was nice to see. Yes. You know, so, I mean, by all means, cover the pro-Israel rallies, but don't give the goons and the goon squad supporters any airtime, because it's only throwing fuel on the fire. Exactly. I mean, that's really what it comes down to, and we don't need any more of that. Meanwhile, uh, Israel marches on uh, in Gaza. Uh, They're putting a chokehold on Gaza City, uh, and they're squeezing for all they're worth. And and I say, go, Israel, go. I say wipe them off the face of the map before they wipe you off the face of the map. Turn Gaza into dust. Some say turn it into glass. I say I, I don't want to see buildings standing. I want to see rubble. Make it a buffer zone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no doubt about it. Well, folks, we've hit the bottom of the hour. That means we got to take a quick break. 30 minutes from now, I'm talking about the cancer on college campuses. But when we come back from the break, Diane's got it with survival's driving force. Stay with us. There's more Right Side Patriots after this. You're listening to Right Side Patriots Radio, the best in conservative commentary, news, and talk, where we do away with the politically correct nonsense and give you the politically direct truth. This is the home of Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern with Craig Andreessen and Diane Sori. We're working to make this country great again from the right and leaving puddles of melted snowflakes on the left. Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots, your best bet on the Internet. You're listening to RSPRadio1.com. Hi guys, Diane Sorry from The Patriot Factor on thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com, where I found a home base seven years ago after becoming one of Facebook's longtime Facebook felons, or so I've been told by the Facebook gods. On my blog, you will find not only my articles, but our Right Side Patriots investigative reports, as well as stories and links to and from well-known writers and bloggers, plus what I call almost daily memes, my snarky take on news of the day. And for more great takes on the issues of the day, 
Check out the National Patriot at thenationalpatriot.com, where you can read Craig's insight into all the current news happenings. And join us both on Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. EST at rspradio1.com. Welcome back to Right Side Patriots on rspradio1.com. Craig Andreessen and Diane Sorry getting you through the Tuesday night edition of the show. If you miss any part of it, Go to rspradio1.com tomorrow morning, click that podcast button, and have at it. This show will be there, and so will all the others. Yes. All right, Diane, so as you and I both continue to delve into this whole Israel-Hamas war situation, uh, once again tonight we are taking on different aspects of it. Um but we're arriving at the same conclusions. You've written a great op-ed, Survival's Driving Force. And let's start by saying, many deem history to be a cruel mistress, for many do not learn from history. Mistakes continue to be made, and lessons remain unlearned, both personal mistakes and lessons, and that of one's country. And now as history again unfolds in the seemingly unending war between good and evil, Israel on the side of good and Hamas most especially on the side of evil, we here in the United States and in many countries around the world are bearing witness to anti-Semitism again rearing its ugly head. Now, shows of anti-Semitism against the Jewish people in general, coupled with pure hatred for the Jewish state of Israel, is now all too commonplace on America's streets and on college and university campuses. Egged on by some in our halls of Congress, the media itself helps spread the hate by giving these overtly anti-Semitic sorts even an iota of airtime by which to promote their hate. But something else noticed, at least by me, is that when anti-Semitism is in the forefront, cries of self-perceived racism and inequality against blacks just seems to melt into the background of the 24-7 news cycle. Now being replaced by words like communists, elitists, and globalists, the no longer veiled anti-Semitic code words for Jews in general and successful, accomplished, and wealthy Jews specifically has taken over the public discourse. Simply, some here in our country are once again, via their hateful, uncalled-for words and actions, helping to divide us from within. And the only one that will bear the scars is our beloved America herself, as extremism is again born and thriving, courtesy of selective hate. Hate that will destroy us way before the enemies from without ever get a chance to. And while there has always been a smoldering hatred, or should I say jealousy, of the Jewish people here in our country by both the extreme right and the extreme left, the October 7th inhumane and savage attack by Hamas on innocent Israeli civilians, women and children especially, has brought what was smoldering to the surface. Jews were 
and still are the intended victims, and victims do have a right to fight back. And while some cry for the Palestinians lost in Israel's rightful retaliation, especially, Craig, the anything-but-innocent Palestinian children, there really is no need to cry for any of them because said children are but the next generation of indoctrinating, Jew-hating, terrorists-in-waiting, and their parents still unwavering Hamas supporters. Now, that's very true. You know, I've said for years that Israel has probably been far too reserved for far too long. But this, what is happening over there right now, is proof that if you poke the lion enough times, the lion is going to come after you. And isn't that kind of what we're seeing right now? Well, absolutely, because the now war between Israel and Hamas will be settled by Israel alone. Only the specific time frame remains unknown. Hamas, nor their string pullers in Iran, are any match for the military might of Israel and her arsenal of weapons. And if pushed too far, Israel, as in Benjamin Netanyahu, will surely do what needs to be done for both Israel and for the Jewish people to survive. Simply, both will survive because most, both most must survive. That is a given. For even Iran has to know that while their driving forces hate, The need for survival itself trumps hate almost every time. History has shown that to be true more times than not, for in the end it really does seem that good tends to triumph over evil. But ultimate triumph does not mean the battle will be easy nor the casualties will be light. For when one is fighting an enemy who does not know what it is to value life, Innocent blood will be spilled and will flow in the streets to stain the hands of many. A tangible reality of war that should strike fear in the hearts of Israel's enemies. For without the valuing of life itself, the cause one is fighting for remains unjust. Hamas has yet to learn this while Israel has known this, as have the Jewish people, for longer a time than many. The Jewish people, Craig, throughout all of history, have been persecuted and victimized more than any other group of people. In fact, black slavery and its aftermath does not even compare in scope to what the Jewish people have faced. You know, it's it's interesting. A lot of people, especially those, I think, on college campuses, have no concept of the history of the Jewish people. Can you put into a nutshell, because I mean, if if we're going to do an in-depth dive on the, the history of the Jewish people, it would take weeks to uh, just to explain it. But can, in a nutshell, can you kind of give us a, 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 hand, a handful of that history so that people might have a better understanding of how long this type of thing has been going on? Yeah. And I want you to know that this has a footnote with it, what I'm about to say. I'm going to give you a very brief history. At the bottom of my article, that footnote will take you to the link, which basically decade by decade, century by century, lists all the persecution of the Jewish people throughout history. 
But let me say briefly, from the time of their bondage in Egypt, which started about 300 years before the time of Moses, to the time of the Roman Empire, Jews were enslaved even while arrested unrest and attempts at freedom were not uncommon but unrest only goes so far and when Masada fell in 73 AD the Romans expelled the Jews from what was then called Judea thus starting what is known as the diaspora and yet the Jewish people continued to survive no matter the hatred brutalities and actions taken against them in the lands they were now forced to call home. Also throughout the years of early Christianity the Jewish people were persecuted, faced expulsion, were slaves in many nations and were massacred in vast numbers during the Crusades. And with what became known as anti-Semitism taking hold throughout the Middle Ages, the massacres of Jews increased as the call for blood libel grew. And I have a footnote there explaining what that is. Convert or die was the only option given as the church grew more powerful in their hate. And with the Spanish Inquisition in 1480, the massacres and expulsion of Jews continued on, as did the hatred and fear of them. And when Jewish folks started emigrating to America, a degree of anti-Semitism started taking hold in our country as well. And all this led up to something no black person has thankfully had to experience, as in the Holocaust, where six million Jews were simply exterminated for no other reason than they were Jews. But why as a people are the Jewish people so hated even today? Beyond the obvious holdover that the Jews killed Jesus, they did not as the Romans and Pontius Pilate did, many are jealous of Jewish success. Success due mostly to Jews stressing the importance of intact families, the importance of education, and of course hard work. A cultural pattern that defines Judaism as a whole. But when there's trouble in the Middle East, especially when it involves Israel, anti-Semitism again tends to rear its ugly head. And here in the U.S., the sad fact is that while Jews make up only 2.4% of the American population, Craig, they are the victims of 60% of all religious-based hate crimes. And that number is now going up. A little disproportionate, I'd say. Mm-hmm. You know, and I mean, when you look at the situation we're in today in this country, uh, and this is something you and I have both talked about, I'll be talking about it later in the show, but there is a megaphone that's been placed in front of the, the hate, the haters of Jews and the Jewish people in this country. How is that affecting the situation that we see on our streets in this country? Well, that hateful rhetoric is growing thanks to some in Congress and certain groups on today's major college and university campuses. Campuses like Harvard, where 34 Harvard University student organizations recently signed a statement that they, quote, hold the Israeli regime entirely responsible for all unfolding violence, end quote, and that Israel's, quote, apartheid regime is the only one to blame, end quote. 
Simply, I know Israel is not to blame as much as I know that the hate perpetrated against both the Jewish people and Israel herself are today's tangible realities. And when hate turns into fear, fear that many Jews now face on a daily basis, it becomes fear not since the days of the Holocaust, fear that never again will indeed happen again. And while many nations have vowed never again, for most it's proven to be but politically correct lip service at best, as anti-Semitism continues to grow worldwide. In fact, to one degree or another, the hate has never really stopped. And yet many continue to cry over a useless, terror-supporting people whose own blood brethren don't want to take them into their countries. They know who and what these people are, a people whose children have been indoctrinated solely to hate, a people bred and still breed the next generation of terrorists, a people who cheered Hamas savagery when they returned to Gaza with both brutalized victims to display and hostages taken. These are the very people the world is crying over, or so it now seems. And how sad it is to see that those who made the desert bloom are deemed the bad guys, while those relishing in killing are the ones to be pitied. Israel is the only country in the world that wants enemy civilians to get out of harm's way many days before harm is inflicted, while the enemy that is Hamas kills their own people who try to heed those warnings. Hamas is the only one who places rocket launchers and munitions inside and next to schools and hospitals while using their own people as human shields, thus deeming their own cowardly and miserable lives to be more important than that of their fellow so-called Palestinians. And yet again, these are the people who many in our country are crying for, while shedding not a tear for Israeli babies beheaded and burnt alive, not a tear for the whole family slaughtered, nor for the atrocities committed on their person both before and after death. These are the forgotten Israeli victims, Craig, whose only peace comes in the fact that they no longer have to witness a world gone mad and whose unspeakable deaths for some are but media-generated propaganda and fodder that they want you to believe never happened. Well, obviously, Hamas's puppet masters in Iran uh, are the, the primary reason for this all happening, but Iran... And the mullahs there, they're not the only ones with blood stains on them because of what, what has transpired, specifically on October 7th, correct? Correct. Basically, these are the people whose deaths, in my opinion, sees Barack Obama's hands stained with their blood as well. How so? Obama knew what the outcome would be when, as president, his Iranian nuclear deal emboldened Iran into becoming a terrorist supplying powerhouse. Also, by then putting the hope for normalization between Israel and modern Arab states in jeopardy, Hamas was able to become Iran's annihilate Israel proxy army of sorts. 
And while Obama's goal has always been to see a political Islam becoming the dominant force in the Middle East, which would then allow the Levant to come to fruition, it should come as no surprise that he recently stated, quote, both sides are to blame for the Israel-Hamas conflict and nobody's hands are clean, end quote. Really, Obama? Sticking up for your brethren yet again, it seems, while urging Americans to, quote, take in the whole truth? Well, here's some truth for you, Obama, and for those of your ilk. If you had not emboldened Iran, and hence terrorists everywhere, with your aforementioned Iranian nuclear deal, if you had not pushed for a two-state solution, knowing well that what you call Palestine as a Muslim homeland never existed, if you had not stabbed Israel and Prime Minister Netanyahu in the back every chance you had, Hamas would not have become as strong as it now is, and Iran would have better been kept in check. This is reality as I see it, for the Hamas-initiated war with Israel has truly become a war of survival for both Israel and the Jewish people, and maybe even for Western civilization itself. And with the growth of anti-Semitism taking over both common sense and the media discourse, we here in our country again see the Jews wrongly being blamed for all the world's woes. And it's all courtesy of the far left's indoctrinated version of hate that sadly seems to have taken over our country's very soul. But no matter the misplaced insanity of some wanting evil to triumph over good, the fact remains that Israel and the Jewish people will not only survive but thrive. And why? Because the Jewish people were God's chosen people who have well proven themselves to be survivors. And when those out to destroy what has become the very driving force that is survival— a force deeply ingrained within Jewish blood. They, not the Jewish people, nor Israel, will find themselves to be the losers in the end. Case closed. You know, when you when you really look at the history, like I say, it would take weeks to explain <laughs> all the nitty-gritty of the history of the Jewish people. Um, and and it's it's a tough go. And has been for thousands of years. Yeah, um, worse than any worse than any other group throughout history. Yeah, and you know the the situation now is the result of poking that lion one too many times. Right, and there there is a very strong reason why Hamas was out to kill and brutalize women and children because according to the Jewish religion um, the bloodline runs through the matriarch side, the mother's side you kill the mother young women who become mothers a, a little older women who are mothers you have stopped the bloodline When you kill the children, you have totally, uh, in an attempt to 
totally annihilate the bloodline because if the children aren't alive, they're not going to have children to continue the bloodline. They knew damn well what they were doing to those women and those children. Yeah, it's it's disgusting. Yeah. You know, when you get right down to it. And unfortunately, you know, with even in our the halls of our Congress, there exist fools and idiots um, who, who just, uh, they, they, they know what the situation is. They have a full grasp of the situation. It's not that they're mistaken, so don't give them that kind of credit, folks. They know exactly what the score is. They're, they just simply are on the side of evil in, in right. this whole situation. They are on the side of wiping Israel from the map and the utter destruction of all Jewish life. Um, right. You know, it's it's not that they've misread the situation. They know what the situation is. Oh, absolutely. They know what the situation is. Uh, it's just, it's beyond belief, basically, as far as I'm concerned. It really is beyond belief that this kind of hate is allowed to continue on. Well, and I think I think you hit the nail on the head, uh, really, in this op-ed. And it's, it's not new. It's not something you haven't said before, but I, I like the way you put it in this particular op-ed. And by the way, folks, Survival's Driving Force is the title of the op-ed. You can get it at Diane's blog at thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com or at rspradio1.com. But the the point I'm making here is the hatred stems in in large part, not, not solely, and you don't say solely, but in large part from the fact that the Jewish people have always been resilient, they've always found a way to survive, but more so they've always found a way to thrive to be successful right you very rarely hear of jews on welfare jews with their hands out i'm not talking about elderly holocaust survivors who have nothing i'm talking modern day jewish people younger people middle age uh, boomers if you will I'd say a good 95 to 99% of them have made something of themselves, and they've done it on their own. And that's something a lot of people envy. You, you just don't see Jews with their hands out. Yeah, that's, there's a, a strong case to be made there. You know, and yeah. you talk about you know, elderly Holocaust survivors. Okay. Unfortunately, there are still idiots uh, that are walking the streets and breathing our air that believe the Holocaust never ever happened. You know, when, yeah. when obviously it did. But those elderly survivors of the Holocaust are really getting up there in years right now. And yeah, soon the, there the, won't be any left. Yeah, the time yeah. is going to come sooner than what we we care to hope that there won't be any of them left to tell the stories. And, you know, God help us when they're gone, because right now 
at least in this country, at least through our education system, they don't want kids coming up in this country today to understand what the Holocaust was or how it transpired. Well, that's really not quite true. The one thing the Nazis were very good at is they kept records. They kept written records. They kept kept tape, uh, movie tape at that time records. They kept documents. There is 100% documents of the ovens, of the atrocities, of everything in print and film. Also, for years, Steven Spielberg, the director, has been working on documentation of Holocaust survivors. He has thousands of survivors um, on tape telling their stories. These things will not go away. The documentation is there. People are afraid to see it, and there's a reason that people are afraid to see it. Because many, many, many knew what was happening, and they looked away. You know, you you go back through the history at the end of World War II, and when those concentration camps were liberated, a lot of them were very close to towns. And the townspeople claimed they had no idea. Oh, yeah. And and you look at the map and you you look at where those camps were in relation to where those people were and where those railroad tracks were when they brought in Mm -hmm. the Jewish people in in cattle cars. And they saw all these people going into the camps and they never saw any coming out. You can't tell me they didn't have an inkling of what was going on. They knew. And the horrors in those camps, the words, the pictures, they they can't. They cannot explain. Some of us have relatives that fought in World War II, whether they were fathers, uncles, cousins, grandparents, great-grandparents. There were many. I have someone in my family who actually helped liberate one of the concentration camps. And he said it was beyond Anything you can imagine. Yeah. I mean, like these films that we see today, like the videotape that we see today, from what transpired on October 7th, Mm -hmm. once you see the films that were taken by the Allied forces, the instant they walked into those camps and what they were met with when they walked into those camps, when you see those films... You will never get those images out of your minds ever. No. And when you see when you see the, the stories and the photographs of the babies thrown in the oven, October seventh, and you hear the testimony of the man who was tasked with doing an autopsy and finding the coils of the oven embedded within the baby, how you can stand up for those bastards. I just have no conception of it. It's it's inhuman. It is. You know, it, it just is. Folks, I want you to grab the link to Diane's op-ed this week. Go to thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com or go to RSP 
radio1.com. Either place you can get the link to the op-ed, Survival's Driving Force, and I hope you share it everywhere. The more people that understand what's really going on and, and what's behind it, what's behind the scenes of what you see on the news every night, right. the more people that understand that and spread that word, the better. Right, and especially the news needs to stop showing these pro-Palestinian uh, rallies. They need to stop. They're giving them a voice. They're getting their message out. We don't need it. Nope, we don't need it, and most Americans do not want it. Plain and simple. Folks, we've hit the top of the hour. We've got to take a break. When we come back, I'm talking about the cancer on college campuses. Stay with us. There's more Right Side Patriots after this. Guys, Diane Sorry from The Patriot Factor on thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com, where I found a home base seven years ago after becoming one of Facebook's longtime Facebook felons, or so I've been told by the Facebook gods. On my blog, you will find not only my articles, but our Right Side Patriots investigative reports, as well as stories and links to and from well-known writers and bloggers, plus what I call almost daily memes, my snarky take on news of the day. And for more great takes on the issues of the day, check out The National Patriot at thenationalpatriot.com, where you can read Craig's insight into all the current news happenings. And join us both on Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. EST at rspradio1.com. You're listening to Right Side Patriots Radio, the best in conservative commentary, news, and talk where we do away with the politically correct nonsense and give you the politically direct truth. This is the home of Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern with Craig Andreessen and Diane Sori. We're working to make this country great again from the right and leaving puddles of melted snowflakes on the left. Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots, your best bet on the Internet. You're listening to RSPRadio1.com. Welcome back to Right Side Patriots on RSPRadio1.com. Craig Andreessen at the National Patriot and Diane Sori at the Patriot Factor. If you miss any part of tonight's show, go to rspradio1.com tomorrow morning, click the podcast button, and you can listen to this show and any of the others in their entirety. Okay. All right, so one of the things that you and I have alluded to over the past several weeks is this situation on college campuses in our country. Um, last week in my commentary and on this program, I took on the United Nations. Well, tonight I'm taking on the cancer on college campuses. Okay. 
Our nation's college and university campuses used to be where young adults were educated in their chosen fields and prepped to transition into productive members of society. That is sadly no longer the case. Today, our college and university campuses have become asylums of higher indoctrination and places where mind-numbed fools go to become liberal activists with no concept of the reality that awaits them when they graduate with a liberal arts degree. Before the sadistic terroristic attack perpetrated by Hamas against Israel on October 7th, you would have been hard-pressed to find more than a handful of students on any American campus that had even the slightest care regarding the Middle East, except that many believed it would be either virtuous or adventurous to take American values into places like Iran or Gaza and spread inclusiveness like pixie dust and unicorn farts. Have you hugged a terrorist today? Since October 7th, Diane, the same college and university students who just a month ago were all experts on the 160 genders available to them by just wishing them so, are now experts on Middle East politics and taking up for the poor misunderstood terrorists of Hamas. Oh, don't get me wrong, it's not because they have any actual basis in knowledge or facts regarding the situation. It's because their expertise has been fed to them by propagandists in the mainstream media. Well, there's one group of people in specific who really need a checkup from the neck up because they are supporting the very people who would kill them in a heartbeat. Well, yeah, you're talking about the LGBTQ plus Hamas crowd that prances through the streets chanting from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. They don't even know what the words mean. They run down to the gap for terrorists and they get a checkered towel to wear around their necks. And then they sign their names and probably their preferred pronouns to letters professing their unwavering support to an international terrorist organization for no other reason than it's trending on X. And they just can't fathom why the law firm of Leibowitz, Lipschitz, and Abrams says they won't hire them. Now, I've got a video embedded in the blog at thenationalpatriot.com that shows what happens when some of these college students learn what Hamas is really all about. And after watching it, You can at least say they put down their video games long enough to go outside and play. (laughs) Recently, a University of Pennsylvania student by the name of Sean told CNN, quote, this is personal for me, unquote. Sean told CNN that his father was born a Catholic in northwestern Ireland and that during the Catholic Protestant sectarian strife known as the Troubles, He claimed he learned from his dear old dad what it was like to be discriminated against and to be called a terrorist for opposing an quote-unquote oppressive regime. Apparently, Sean's father must have dropped the lad on his head when he was young because old Sean has no freaking clue that Hamas swine he's now siding with eventually want to do to the Catholics what they're trying to do to the Jews. But that's just par for the course, isn't it? A 
tousled, red-haired kid whose dad is Irish Catholic, claiming that the perverted, sadistic, barbaric desires of Hamas terrorists are personal to him. Sean Boy doesn't even realize that when it came to the Catholic-Protestant conflict in Ireland, it was basically the same sort of age-old conflict that has had Sunni and Shia Muslims killing each other for centuries. Furthermore, old Sean Boy, while he parades around shouting anti-Israel, anti-Semitic slogans, hasn't a clue that his own chosen religion wouldn't even exist were it not for the Jews. That's right, Sean. Jesus was Jewish. Diane, I swear you could put that kid in the Penn Biden Center in a room full of Joe Stolen classified documents, and he'd just sit there on his phone sending messages to women on OnlyFans and fantasizing about being in relationships with them. Well, what's also very interesting is these people keep calling for a ceasefire. They call for it over and over and over again. They don't understand what a ceasefire means, nor do they understand that there was a ceasefire in place before Hamas did what they did. Well, idiots like Sean and far too many others are calling for those ceasefires in Gaza, and they insist that Israel is engaging in genocide. These so-called college students have no idea that there was a ceasefire in place, and Hamas broke it themselves on October 7th. They haven't a clue that Israel left Gaza 18 years ago, and since 2007, since today's Hamas-supporting college students were wearing diapers on their butts and not their heads, Hamas has been the only controlling entity in Gaza. The fools have no inkling that Hamas uses the two million so-called Palestinian people as human shields, that they will kill those who try to escape or want change, and that Hamas will gleefully murder those who claim they would rather sleep with someone of their own gender than bed down with a goat. What Israel is engaged in now is a war, not genocide. And they didn't start the war, Hamas did. Hamas, who those college kids are supporting, actually has genocide written into their charter. They intend to eliminate Jews from the face of the planet and wipe Israel from the map. But supposedly the best and brightest our country has to offer are just too bone-crushingly stupid to realize that fact. They're just too dumb to understand that the puppet master of Hamas, Iran, wants both Israel and the Jews exterminated and the United States and our citizens destroyed. But it's not just the students in our college campuses and universities that are the problem with regard to the anti-Semitic hatred toward the Jews and where that's concerned. It goes much deeper than that. Diane, you have to ask yourself, what about the college and university professors and college and university administrators. You know, these professors, they're not teachers, they're indoctrinators. They do what they're told to do. And right now it seems a lot of them are told to spread the hate. It's, it's really that simple. You spread the hate or you're out. 
Well, since October 7th, we've seen one professor after another leading the anti-Jew hatred on college campuses, and rarely, if ever, do they pay the price for their support of a genocidal regime of barbarians as they chant slogans of hate. And what about those in our halls of Congress who champion the Hamas propaganda? Censure, if you ask me, is not enough. We have members of Congress who openly support international terrorist organizations, professors who lead Hamas propaganda rallies, and college and university administrators who, until the worst thing that can happen happens, remain silent. And what is the worst thing that can happen in the heart or mind of a college or university administrator? Well, frankly, big money donors begin to pull the plug on their donations. That's exactly what's been happening. Billionaire and multimillionaire donors to colleges and universities have been yanking their money away from the ilk of Harvard, Yale, Penn, and so many others, specifically because those colleges and universities' administrators have been standing by passively while their student bodies go back crap crazy supporting Hamas and the genocide of the Jewish people. They look the other way when their Jewish students are afraid to walk across campus. They cast a blind eye while their Jewish students shelter in place in college libraries because of students outside calling for their deaths. It's not until the donors start pulling away dollars that some of these administrators finally try to lock the barn door after the horse has escaped. It's like trying to put toothpaste back in the tube. Diane, over the past couple of years, if you dared to stand up on a college campus and declare that there are only two genders or that biological men should not be allowed to compete in sports against biological women, never mind that professors and administrators claim they can't even define what a woman is, there was hell to pay because they said you were engaging in hate speech. Yeah. And you know, at the bottom of it, if people would just listen, is that one famous phrase from the river to the sea, Palestine shall be free. Guess what, folks? Palestine can't be free because there never was a Palestine. And these professors just do not understand history, nor do they want to understand history. Look, if you march across campus chanting from the river to the sea, Palestine shall be free, you shout anti-Semitic slurs at Jewish students, you call for the death of Jews and force Jewish students to shelter in place out of fear for their lives, well, that's okay until Daddy Warbucks says no more allowance for Orphan Annie University. Faced with the loss of their precious dollars, what do these spineless college administrators do? They call for calm on both sides of the issue and tell their little brainwashed students that the good people of Palestine and Israel should be respected. Really? Well, was that the response when the drug-addicted thug with a criminal record of beating women died on a Minneapolis street and a few brave souls wore t-shirts on campus that read, All Lives Matter? No, of course not. If you did that on a college campus, you were labeled as a hateful racist bigot and you were expelled. What's happening now in the Middle East is a war. 
in a war not of Israel's choosing. Hamas declared war on Israel on October 7th, and after doing everything possible to avoid war for decades, Israel had no choice this time but to fully engage against Hamas. The First World War lasted roughly four years. The second lasted roughly six years. The reason both those wars together lasted only about ten years was because we and the Allies fought those wars to win those wars. Civilians dying in wars are part of the equation, but only if you actually want or need to win said wars. When one side unleashes hell on the other and demands and receives an immediate ceasefire, when the party that was initially attacked responds, the best one can hope for is an unending quagmire and a continued cycle of rinse and repeat. Israel has engaged in that approach for far too long. They have given up land for so-called peace. They've allowed the puppet of Iran, Hamas, to set up shop. And every time a ceasefire has been declared, Hamas breaks those ceasefires, leading to that continuous cycle of rinse and repeat. This time, Diane, it's different. Israel no longer has any inclination or reason to rinse and repeat. War has been declared on Israel, and Israel has vowed to win the war. Well, you know what? Let's be honest. Throughout history, wars are common. They're sort of expected. You win some, you lose some. But there are some examples in the 20th century that are a little bit different than what you might think of wars in ancient times, if you will. Well, yeah, and and different. But when you try to compare how the wars were fought in the 20th century to how certain people want these wars to be fought today, you can see what would happen. Let me give you an example. Wars are messy, and while history's been littered with wars for eons, the 20th century provides a couple of examples. If wars were only fought in the most polite of manners, where civilian casualties caused immediate ceasefires or slowdowns, we'd still be fighting World War One. Mm-hmm. All right? You would think at least hope that within the history department of any college or university, there'd be at least one history professor with an understanding of that fact. Unfortunately, that seems to be too much to hope for. Our colleges and universities are infested with cancer. Some of it is in the ivory towers. Some of it can be found in the faculty lounge and the rest of it in the form of gender studies. Mm-hmm. Those people, those gender studies majors, believe they can be a jar of mayonnaise while spreading hatred and terrorist propaganda, and they're about to become a cancer on society as they graduate from their various asylums of higher indoctrination and ooze into the real world without the brains to organize a one-car parade. In my opinion, the next pro-Hamas rally on any campus should include DHH agents DHS agents, surrounding the idiots, locking them up, and sending them to Iran. Obviously, they're not getting an education in college. Maybe a semester of study abroad will be the reality bitch slap needed to wake up the woke. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's a sad situation what has happened to our colleges and universities. We used to be some of the top in the world. Right now, we're a laughing stock. A lot of it falls at the feet of Biden. More of it falls at the feet of Obama. Because when you think about it, Craig, our fall on the world stage started with Obama. Well, it did. I mean, that's that's just a fact. You know, the, the situation on our college campuses has deteriorated to the point that I wonder what the future is going to be like. And I'm not talking about the far away future. I'm talking about the near future. Right. You've got, you've got these pro Hamas college students ready to graduate right now. Okay. Mm-hmm. Some of them will go on and, and take, you know, uh, further indoctrination courses. Okay. Right. Some will become doctors. Some will become attorneys. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just, just to name a couple of professions. 10 years from now, 15 years from now, 20 years from now, when you go to a doctor, are you going to wonder, and you should, by the way, are you going to wonder if the doctor who's treating you was one of those pro-Hamas college students? Oh, God. Heaven help us, right? Well, well, I I know. and I I mean, it almost sounds weird to ask. It almost sounds like a, a frivolent question, but I mean it seriously. You go to a doctor with a serious condition. And your doctor, you find out, was a pro-Hamas, a pro-genocide college student. How secure do you feel in letting that doctor treat you? That doctor wouldn't touch one hair on my head. Okay, and the problem is, chances are you're not going to know if that doctor was a pro-genocide college student. Same for your attorney. Let's say you're starting a business. Let's say you're putting together a will. Let's say you're, you know, you're, you've got legal needs. Okay, so you go out and you get yourself an attorney. What you think is a good attorney, you're not going to have any idea whether the attorney that you're trusting, that you're trusting with your business and your life savings and and your. Uh, you know, the money you want to pass down to your kids and your grandkids, you don't know for sure 15, 20 years from now if that attorney was a pro-genocide college student. Right. You have no way of, of knowing. Except, you know, most doctors, they have their diplomas in the wall. You see, uh, let's say, a, a kid from Harvard, maybe your antenna would need to go up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, a kid from Harvard, a kid from Penn, you know, I mean, but the the problem is this is, you know, this cancer is infecting college campuses all across the country. It's not just a handful. You can go to almost any college campus nowadays and, and you can find these pro-Hamas students, these pro-genocide yes. students. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and it's it's sickening. It's sickening. And these people... Yeah, talk about doctors and lawyers. These people are also going to become politicians. They're going to be in positions of power. That's scary. You know, think about that. You know, 10 years from now, 15 years from now, you're casting a vote on Election Day. Are you voting for a pro-genocide candidate? 
Yeah. The the only thing, I mean, it's a remote possibility. Most young people, when they're at a certain age, they're very idealistic. They're more kumbaya in nature. As they get out into the real world and discover what the real world is, many do do a turnaround. Will all of them in this generation do that? I doubt it. Yeah, and but I, I do think some of them will, just because with age comes maturity. I understand that, and personally, I you know I I understand that you know in the past a lot of college kids when they're on campus they are the kumbaya sort, right? You know they they have a rather simplistic view of the world, and uh, I you know to, to some extent I was that way when I was in college, but being sure. a being a kumbaya sort is far different than being a pro-genocide sort. True. You know, I mean, geez, Louise. Um, folks, the, the name on the commentary, the title on the commentary is The Ca- the Cancer on College Campuses. And you can get that at my blog, thenationalpatriot.com, or you can get it at rspradio1.com. I hope you grab it, and I hope you share the link to it everywhere you can. People need to understand what these college campuses are turning out, what they're churning out. Um, This does not bode well for America's future. No, it does not, especially with the person we have as president and his puppet behind him. This is not... No matter what Biden says, this is not an Israel-friendly administration. No, certainly not. And, you know, you can put an exclamation point on that because earlier this week, over 100 members, over 100 members of the uh, the Department of Defense, you know, from the Pentagon, from the Pentagon, or putting the pressure on Biden to drop his support completely for Israel. Yes. I mean, holy crap. You know, we're, we're talking about the outfit that runs the military. Now, I'm not saying yes. that, that the cancer has sunk down, uh, you know, to the, to the rank and file of the military. But you're talking about the organization that runs our military. And they're pro-genocide. They're pro-Hamas. They're pro-terrorist organization. Holy crap. Well, I'm I'm a little bit surprised that Biden didn't outwardly agree with them, but maybe give it time, you know, till Obama, you know, strengthens right. his pull on the strings. I mean, it's it's a disgusting situation that we're in, um, folks. You can get the uh, the op-ed from Diane Survival's Driving Force. By going to her blog, thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com, you can get my commentary this week, The Cancer on College Campuses, going to my blog, thenationalpatriot.com, or you can make it real easy. If you go to rspradio1.com, you can find the links to both articles right there. Yeah, and let me tell you something, folks. If you go to my blog, you might get a warning that the content is very sensitive and might upset some. All you have to do is click proceed and the article will directly come up or go to the main blog itself 
and and you'll see it there. Uh, Blogspot is now issuing warnings to people that are pro-Israel, it seems. Yeah. Yeah, goody for Blogspot, right? All right. Well, listen, folks, we've just got a couple of minutes left. We're going to wrap this thing up a little bit early. We're looking forward to Friday because we may, may, may have a launch of a starship on Friday. Um, keeping our fingers crossed, hoping everything goes well. Uh, and they get the, uh, the fish and wildlife people on their side to, to say, go ahead and light the candle. Um, if that happens on Friday, we'll be talking about it Friday night. And then we're, we're taking a little time off after Friday, and we won't be back until the 1st of December. Right. With a house full of people, it's going to be pretty impossible to do some things. You know, folks, if, if you think politics around the, uh, the Thanksgiving dinner table is tough at your home, Imagine, Diane, having the DeSantis family and the Trump family over for Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the two Florida yeah, candidates gosh. that, you know, Trump Trump absolutely hates Ron DeSantis right now because DeSantis is a challenger. Trump hates anybody that doesn't tow his uh, line or drink his Kool-Aid. You know, but I mean, can you imagine if you actually had Trump over? This is a beautiful turkey. This is the most beautiful turkey I've ever seen. Oh, dear God, no. All right, Diane, let's wrap this up, shall we? Okay. And with that, I'll say nighty-night and Star Trek awaits. Folks, have yourselves a great rest of the week. We'll catch up with you on Friday. Bye-bye.